This is a recording made in the Chapel of the Opened Book and is number eight of the series entitled Accepted and Access. Colossians 1, verses 12 to 22. We arrive this morning at the conclusion of this great section. It commenced in verse 12 with an inheritance of the saints in light. It concludes with a presentation of holiness in his sight. Think of the fact that it's not merely said that we should be presented, but we should be presented in light. And light searches, and light reveals. And yet, so complete is the acceptance of the Lord's people in Christ, that they'll be presented in the light and in his sight. And they will measure up to, as the word meat indicates, like a meat yard or a meter. They'll measure up to all the requirements of that holy presentation. If anyone has received an invitation or a command to be presented at court in this country, it's an honour. And you couldn't just march in there any old how because it didn't matter. You would be advised that certain articles of clothing were necessary, certain ways of acting were necessary. Well, if that's the case, before even kings and queens are fallible like ourselves, what must it be to contemplate being presented at the court of the king of kings and the lord of lords in light which searches right to the very recesses of the heart and stand there unabashed. It's one of those things which is so wonderful that it almost sounds to be too good to be true. And yet, that is where we are in Christ. Nothing short of that. If that was not possible, then eternal life would be eternal misery. Instead of being a gift of grace, it would be perpetuating the shame that we must feel so many times of our shortcomings. So here we are going to consider this morning this final phase. You see, first of all, we were delivered from the authority of darkness. That means because this is to be in light. And then that deliverance was accomplished not by mere exercise of power, but by the exercise of love and righteousness the gift of God's beloved Son, so that he might be just, as well as at the same time the justifier of him that believeth in Jesus. And then we have peace through the blood of his cross. And not only we have peace, but we are reconciled. That's the outcome of peace. We enter into a new relationship with God. And then we come to the final. In the body of his flesh, That's the man, Christ Jesus, who has already been described as being before all things, and by him all things consist, the creator of things in heaven and in earth, in the body of his flesh, through death, not merely in the body of his flesh, but a body as thou prepare thee, lo, I come. And that one offering, made by that beloved Son, has given us this access, into the grace wherein we stand 
And it says in verse 21, And you that were sometime alienated, and enemies in your mind, yet now hath he reconciled, in the body of his flesh, through death, to present you, holy, unblameable, unreprovable, in his sight. It's that presentation that we want to consider this morning. Now we had read that chapter in the book of Esther, and you will realize why. When you come to think of all the splendor of the East that we know about, isn't it marvelous to think that one woman should not be tempted to dress up in the velvet and the silk and the jewels that were at her disposal? But Esther said she would accept whatever was appointed for her. Oh, I think there's a lesson there, friend. Nothing we do can make us accepted in the Beloved. But we look to the Lord and say, Oh Lord, I leave it all with thee. And if we like Esther, we leave it all with the one who was appointed. We should be clothed with a spotless robe. We should be accepted in the Beloved. And that is our hope and that is our standing. And so you'll notice with your card in front of you that the word to um, be presented is built up of the word to stand. Padistimi, oh, the word I uh, first of all would mention, the word histimi, as you have in the second line, refers to Jude. We have that read to us. We had it read to us not because of the terrible circumstances, the horrible things that are mentioned there, but only to say in the midst of all those awful times. And there were awful times that are described. In that very context, now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you. You see? So God is able. If you're trusting in yourself, however good the circumstances, you would fail. And if you're trusting in him, however terrible the circumstances, you'll succeed. But the point I would like to make is this, that in Jude, the word means to stand before. Not merely be presented, but stand before. But when you come to our position in Colossians, the word as you will see, is paristeme. And that means beside. We're not only going to be presented to someone sitting on a throne at a distance. The marvel of it is we're going to be presented alongside. Now this is one of those things which if it weren't true would be blasphemy. But if it is true, it makes us wonder at the grace of God such as ourselves. This and nothing less is our portion. Holy, saints, an inheritance in his sight, in the light, and standing not merely before him, but standing beside him. So we have the emphasis again that we have in other parts of these precious epistles 
have been seated together with him. Seated together with him. Where he sits, far above all principality and power. I think we'll look at that parallel passage, Ephesians 5, 27, just to get the other reference. It belongs to our peace. Here it comes in the in the practical context of Ephesians. There are some folks who think because we stress, as we must, this high calling, this wonderful revelation of grace, this emphasis upon heavenly places, that we have got no place down here for domestic life, or personal witness, or ordinary everyday affairs, but that's not true. Because this chapter, it speaks of husbands and wives, of parents and children, of masters and servants. The whole range of human relationships are all brought into touch with his high and heavenly calling. But with regard to this question of uh, standing, uh, presenting, let's look at the reference to the husband and the wife. It says in verse 25, Husbands, love your wives. But it doesn't stop there, because this is going a bit further than ordinary human love. You would expect, in the majority of cases at least, that the husband would love his wife. But here it says something deeper. Husbands, love your wives, as Christ also loved the church. And not only so, but gave himself for it. That's a demand, isn't it? That couldn't be met apart from the grace of God. But that's the, that's the outcome of this high and spiritual teaching. So don't let anybody make you think that because we stress spiritual blessings and heavenly places, we've got no earthly relationships. We have. Oh, they're precious. And so it goes on to say, <coughs> love the church and gave himself for it that he might sanctify, there's the word which has to do with the word holiness, and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it, here's the presentation again, that he might present it to himself, a church in glory, a, a glorious church, not having spot, or wrinkle, or any such thing. You imagine that. There's beauty of holiness, you see, in the scriptures. No spot, no wrinkle, or any such thing. And goes on to say, <coughs> but that it should be holy and without blemish. So we come back to the same words in Colossians chapter 1. <coughs> Verse 22. In the body of his flesh through death <coughs> to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. Now what are these words? The word unblemished takes you to the tabernacle or the temple. The word unreprovable takes you into the law court. There are two attributes of God that stand out prominently. In John 17, 
our Saviour addressed his Father as Holy Father and Righteous Father. Holiness belongs to the tabernacle or temple, the priest and the offering, and righteousness belongs to the law court, the judge and the accuser and the sentence and the pronouncement, no condemnation. These are the two things that belong to us because we belong to Christ. And these are the two essentials to make it possible for you and me to contemplate being presented at court. Whether we think of ourselves as related to the temple, we are as unblemished as the sacrifice and as the priest. Or whether we think of ourselves as in the law court of God, no sin can be laid at our charge, no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Let's examine these two expressions so that we may get what there may be for, for us from it. I have a reference here to Leviticus 22. Will you turn to that? Leviticus 22. Leviticus has, of course, very much to do with the offerings in the economy of Israel. And this is um, verses 21 and 22. And whosoever offereth sacrifice of peace offerings unto the Lord to accomplish his vow, or a freewill offering in beeves or sheep, it shall be perfect to be accepted. Notice that. Anything accepted by God must be perfect, even with regard to type and shadow. The lamb that was to be offered at the Passover was kept for several days so that it could be examined. There was no spot or anything of a blemish that was representing Christ. And so it says here, it shall be perfect to be accepted, there shall be no blemish therein. Blind, or broken, or maimed, or having a wen, or scurvy, or a stand, ye shall not offer these unto the Lord, nor make an offering by fire of them upon the altar unto the Lord. So it's literally true. As he is, so are we in his sight, because we have been so completely accepted in the Beloved. To say these things without the book would be outrageous, wouldn't it? It's beyond anything we could ever achieve. But it doesn't lay within our hands or power. It's what he hath done. He hath translated us. He hath redeemed us. He hath reconciled us. And he will, as a, on that basis, present us. So we have no fear except the reverence that we should have in such a presence. Well, that is the emphasis there. Holy and without blemish. And in the New Testament, we have these words. If you'll look at 1 Peter, chapter 1, just to see how it is used in the New Testament, so that there can be no possible doubt about its completeness. The first of Peter, chapter 1, Verse 19. It says in verse 18, For as much, as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold, 
from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb, without blemish or without spot. So the words that are said of Christ, the Lamb of God, are said of those who are Christ's in that Lamb of God. As he is, we are. Then the scripture goes on to say, as he walked, let you ought to walk. Of course, that's where the trouble comes. But the fact that we never reach that standard in our private walk never alters the fact that what we are in him remains untouched. But it should be ever kept in our mind that the word worthy, to walk worthy, is to put a thing in the balances, the one balancing the other. And we should never in this life, I believe, or hope, never in this life, feel that we've got the scales perfectly horizontal. But that should be before us, that more and more we should seek the patience of Christ, the spirit of Christ, the mind of Christ, the love of Christ, and in some measure uh, seek to balance by our little private efforts by his grace the wonderful gift that is ours and ours forever. So we have this emphasis upon the Lamb, 119. And another reference uh, in Hebrews 9.14 will take us into the tabernacle or the temple. Hebrews 9.14 It says um, in verse 13 For if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of an ether sprinkling the unclean sanctifies to the purifying of the flesh they were the ordinances and visible symbols that never did, never touched the conscience but they were setting forth in type and shadow what Christ was going to do in reality, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. He offered himself without spot. And that's your position. And that's mine, blessed be God, in him. Without spot. Not in ourselves. If we deceived ourselves and tried to make ourselves think we were there, those who have to live with us would have a very different word to say, wouldn't they? But none of us do that. But don't let that detract from the fact that although you could never reach it, God doesn't expect you ever will. And he's made Christ the beginning and the middle and the end so that you'll find that your acceptance is in him. And as he is spotless, so are you. As he is holy, so are you. As he is righteous, so are you. You're going to be with him, and you're going to be like him, and that forever. What a presentation. What a goal, step by step through this passage in Colossians. In his sight. In the light. An inheritance of the saints, and holy and without blemish, and unreprovable. Let's have a look at this other aspect. The word... Uh, unreprovable. You will find this has to do with the legal side, the law court side particularly. Let's turn to the references that are given here. 1 Corinthians 1.8 That's in order that you may be able to get the general
general bearing of this word. It says in verse um, verse 7, so that ye come behind in no gift, waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall also confirm you unto the end, not confirm you at the start and let you go walk your own way, confirm you unto the end, that ye may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Unreprovable, blameless, without blemish in the temple, without blame in the law court. Then again we have another reference in 1 Timothy 3.10. 1 Timothy 3.10. Just to get this word in its context. And let those also first be proved. Then let them use the office of a deacon being found blameless. Now this has to do with their personal affairs. A bishop must be blameless. He must be the husband of one wife. Because you see, they had a problem in the early church. A man, as a pagan, he may have had two wives. Well, what a problem there would be if that man became converted. Wasn't he going to say to one of his wives, well, you'll have to clear out now? That couldn't be, could it? So, it had to be accepted in the early church that that was his responsibility and he couldn't shelve it. But, he couldn't become a bishop. He couldn't become an overseer because that was not possible. He was the husband of one wife and rule his own family, otherwise how could he take care of the church of God? So there's a very practical issue there. And in Titus 1, Titus chapter 1, verse 6 and 7. If any be blameless, the husband of one wife, having faithful children and accused, not accused of riot and unruly, for a bishop must be blameless as the steward of God and so on. So you see, it was not an easy office to fulfill because it had to represent the Christ at his finished work and what should be its outcome. Now, the references that follow on this card take you to the Acts of the Apostles where you will find the legal element, the law court element, is uh, uh, rather prominent. The 19th chapter of the Acts of the Apostles, 19th chapter, uh, verses 38 onwards. You see, there was a riot over the uh, fact that if the people listened to the preaching of the Apostle Paul, those who made idols would lose their craft. And oh, how many times Christianity has been attacked, not because of its doctrine, but because of its effect upon business. And so here, there was a riot. And here we have verse 38, Seeing then that these things cannot be spoken against, ye ought to be quiet and to do nothing rashly. For ye have brought hither these men, which are neither robbers of churches, 
nor yet blasphemers of your goddess. Wherefore, if Demetrius and the craftsmen which are with him have a matter against any man, the law is open, and there are deputies. Let them implead one another. Now, to implead is to go into court. So here's the word here. To implead, or to call in question. Chapter 26 of the Acts of the Apostles. Chapter 26, verse 2. I think myself happy, King Agrippa, because I shall answer for myself this day before thee, touching all the things whereof I am accused of the Jews. No accusation can be laid against you, friends, if you stand in the law court of God in that day. At the right hand in the Jewish law court, the accuser stood. But when you and I stand in the law court of God, at the right hand will be not an accuser, but our Saviour. And he is the guarantee. So it says here again, in verse 7, Unto which promise our twelve tribes instantly serving God day and night hope to come. For which hope's sake, King Agrippa, I am accused of the Jews. So here we have then the believer cleared in the temple without spot or wrinkle or blemish and cleared in the law court. No accusation can be laid against them. No condemnation could be pronounced upon them. Accepted in the beloved in both senses. All friends, have we underestimated the work of Christ on our behalf and the purpose of God in sending him? It's not merely that we should be forgiven. Not merely that we should be given eternal life. Not merely that we should have the gift of immortality. But that we should be so complete in Christ as to stand there in that holy presence, in that law court, in that temple, and not bow our heads in shame for all that has been, all that we may have done and failed to do has been completely covered by the precious blood of Christ and by our acceptance in Him. We shall have to continue this study because the Apostle goes on to another aspect. And that other aspect picks up the kind of people we should be if this is true. So that we say, first of all, we have given our hearing to what we are in Christ. Now we give a hearing to what we should be if this is true of us. But we're not going to mix up the two. What we are in Christ remains untouched. What we are will change as the days go by. So if sometimes you look in your own heart and you feel, well, I don't know. I don't seem to be worthy of this. You're perfectly right, you're not. The worthiness is found in him. But if you say, oh, I would, that my manner of life should more harmonize with my high calling, that's in harmony with the word of God. So you will find, in this very epistle to the Colossians, that we have another presentation in this book. Another kind of presentation in this book. And without the two, we shall have a dismembered line of teaching. So when we meet together, God willing, next time, 
we turn from the acceptance in the beloved with the need for being acceptable in ourselves because of the beloved. And that brings us down to our own manner of life and to the way in which the word of God influences us and enables us to walk worthy. So keep an open mind so that we may get the two sides of the question before we come to a conclusion.